Good morning. So uh, just, just to clear something up, Yaku said nothing about me preaching in shoes. Just, just want to clarify that. Uh, it, comes up, it comes up every time, every time. All right. One day it'll be normal. So uh, good morning, guys. Um, just want to share um, uh, from a story uh, that's a story about love and redemption. So the story is uh, the story of Ruth. So I kind of want to go through the story and then kind of tie it together. So um, bear with me. Also, um, for those of you who know the story well, um, I'm, I'm going to be leaving out some details for the sake of time, so forgive me. But I do recommend, it's only four chapters long. Um, it takes about 20 minutes to read, and I might as well be illiterate uh, for the amount that I read. So if it takes me 20 minutes, it'll take you like five but, uh, <laughs> yeah, John, it'll take him two minutes to read through it. Actually, he could probably recite it, couldn't you? <laughs> All right, so let's get started. Um, so Ruth is, is a book between Judges and First Samuel, and uh, it's a story about a family, um, and again, it's about love and redemption. Uh, it starts out, it's in the time where Judges ruled Israel. And just for context, that's um, after the Israelites were in Egypt, they were led out of Egypt by Moses and then went to, they were led into the promised land by Joshua and then following that, before there was a king, was the time where there were judges. All right? <laughs> um, and now in that time, there's a family, uh, Elimelech and Naomi. And they had two sons, Malon and Kilian. And in that time, there was a famine in, in Israel. And uh, so Elimelech decided that the best way for him to serve his family was to go to another, another uh, country. They went to Moab, which weren't really friends with the Israelites. Um, they had a kind of love-hate relationship over the years. Um, and uh, but while they're in Moab, Elimelech dies. So he wanted to take care of his family, and then he died. So he, he couldn't anymore. Um, and so the, while they were there, Malon and Kilion, the two sons, they met and married. Naomi went from living in Israel with her family and her friends and, and with God's people to living in a foreign country. Uh, and she's lost her husband and her two sons. So she left with a family, and she's now left with nothing. She's got two uh, dependents, as it were, two uh, um, daughters-in-law. And... Uh, she realizes she can't take care of them. So she heard that God came back and gave the land of Israel um, that the famine was over and that things were starting to grow again. So she decided she's going to go back. And uh, so she gets together with Ruth and Orpah. They gather up all their things and they start to go. And as they're going, Ruth realizes, hold on, I have nothing to offer you. You're coming with me. I'm an old woman. Um, she said, you guys go home. Go to your families." Just go back. I, I can't give you anything. Ruth and Orpah both say, no, please, we want to go with you. And she says, no, actually, it doesn't make any sense. Even if I were to give you sons now, because in Israel, if a son died and left his wife with no children, then the next son was to give her children to keep the name going. So she didn't have any sons either. She, couldn't, she had no way to help them. Um, so Orpah finally agrees to go, but Ruth clings to Naomi. And uh, she says, has, makes this amazing um, kind of pledge to Naomi that I want to actually read 
Um, you may recognize this because the first part we quote uh, often in weddings. So Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Usually we stop there at weddings, but she actually goes on, where you die, I will die. <laughs> and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. So she's taking this pretty seriously, eh? <laughs> so she, and uh, an interesting thing about that oath that she swears, uh, typically with an oath like that, you'd swear to the God, the God Elohim, which is the, uh, the name of God of justice. Uh, but she actually uses the name Yahweh, which is God of mercy. And so it gives some indication that through her years of knowing Naomi, she's actually gotten to know who God is. And so she, maybe she realized that if she went back to Moab, she would go back to the foreign gods there, and that she would turn away from God, from Yahweh. And so maybe that's why she decided that she wanted to go with her. So either way they go. And uh, so they get back to Bethlehem, which is where they were from, or where uh, Naomi was from, and uh, after they've been there, uh, Ruth decides, I need, to, I need to do something. So she goes to glean, and gleaning in the fields. And what gleaning is, um, in the law of the Israelites, um, they were told not to harvest all the way to the edge of the fields. They were supposed to leave the edge for the poor and the travelers, and so this was actually totally above board uh, for her to go and glean. And so she went and she starts gleaning. And she works really, really hard. Um, and so then the, the owner of the land comes um, and he greets his workers and uh, he notices this girl working in the field. And he asks them, he says, so who, who's this girl? And uh, they said, oh, her name is Ruth. She's the Moabitess who is the uh, daughter-in-law to Naomi. Um, and she's been working really hard. She's only stopped for a little break during the day, but she's just basically worked her butt off. And uh, Boaz says, come here, and he says, listen, Ruth, I want you to, um, to come. He invites her to eat with him, have dinner. He gives her bread. He gives her roasted grain, they said. I don't know if that's a delicacy or something, but anyways, bread and roasted grain. She ate so much that she had left over that she took with her. Um, he said, I want, I've told my men to take care of you, not to touch you. I've told the women as well, I want you to work with my servants. I don't want you to just stay up on the edges. Come work with, basically work for me. And Ruth is just blown away. She can't believe the incredible generosity of, of uh, Boaz. And uh, so he also says, please don't go to any of the fields. Just stay in my field. So she works at the end of the day, and uh, she brings home the equivalent of 22 liters of grain. So imagine she's just picking grain by herself. She um, threshed it and did everything herself, brought it home to Naomi. And Naomi says, what in the world? Where were you? This is amazing. And she brought out the extra bread and gave it to Naomi and said, I've been working for a man named Boaz. And Naomi is just flabbergasted because Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. And uh, which is, I mean, the kinsman redeemer is kind of an interesting part of, uh, of, of the law, of Jewish law. It goes along with the law of um, uh, the year of Jubilee. 
where in Israel God was so concerned about his people having an inheritance and not losing their inheritance because of poor management that if someone didn't manage their property well or their affairs well and they had to sell their land just to live um, every 50 years God said blank slate everyone gets their property back and so you know, generationally that meant that you would never lose the land in God's promised land that he gave to your family. Um, and then there's a clause in that law that, which, is, which is where the kinsman redeemer comes in where if a close relative and the close relative it starts with a brother or an uncle and then cousin and so on but a close relative could redeem the land and essentially if I sell my land off to some Joe just to, to feed my family, my brother or whatever close relation could come and redeem the land. What that meant is basically he pays off my debt and he had to be someone in my family. And so Naomi says, Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. He is part of our family. He could redeem us. So Naomi starts to feel a little better about herself, about this whole situation. She thinks, okay, well, maybe there's a way to get out of this. So... Ruth decides that she's going to keep working, and she works through all of barley harvest and all the wheat harvest, which is about three months. Um, and then at the end, Ruth says, well, wait, you know, the harvest is over. I need to make sure that you're taken care of. And so Naomi says, Ruth, I need you to trust me. This is what you're going to do. You're going to put on perfume. You're going to clean up, wear your best clothes, and then you're going to go to Boaz. And he's going to, they're going to have a party, basically, at the end of the harvest where they, they count everything, they pile it all up and then they have a big party and eat and they drink and they have a great time. She said, I want you to go and don't be seen by anybody, but go in secret and see where Boaz lays down at the, end of the, at the end of the party. And then when it goes dark and no one can see you, I want you to lay at his feet and lift up, uncover his feet and lay there and then do whatever he says. Um, that sounds really weird if you think about it. It's like, what? What the heck? I mean, I don't wear shoes because my feet smell if I wear shoes. Sharon even makes me wash my, sho- my feet before I go to bed. True story. Um, so Boaz, he's been working and partying and whatever, and he lays down and she has to uncover his feet. Anyway, so she lays there. And, it's not a, and that wasn't such a weird thing at the time because often servants would sleep at their master's feet. And so it's a, a place of submission, but also of you know, ownership and so on. And so Ruth agrees and does everything, and Boaz is startled and wakes up in the middle of the night, probably because his feet were cold. And uh, he sees that someone's at his feet. <laughs> he says, who are you? Who's there? And she says, I'm your servant, Ruth. And uh, she says, cover me with the hem of your garment. Take the corner of your garment and cover me. And again, what does that mean? That's actually her... She's, she's saying... I want you to marry me and be my redeemer. Cover me with your garment. And uh, Boaz is just blown away because he had such a special place in his heart for her right from the beginning. He took such good care of her. And, uh, and he, um, or in some places they say, Boaz was maybe 80 years old at this time. So he wasn't a young guy. Um, and, uh, and he's just blown away that she would go to him, an old man, rather than trying to find some younger man. He obviously thinks that she could have whoever she wanted. So, but Boaz says, look, there's, I, I want to redeem you, but there's a closer relative 
Um, it's not, they don't say who he was, but there's a closer relative. So he says, listen, I'm going to, in the morning, I'm going to sort this out. So they go back to sleep. In the morning, before it gets light, he gives her six measures of, of grain and sh- to go back to Naomi. And he says, I'm going to settle it today. So he goes into town, goes to the gate, and he finds the Redeemer. And he says, come, I need to talk to you. So they sit down, and he gathers a bunch of the elders of the people. And so he has basically a court session. That's where kind of legal actions, transactions happened. And uh, he says, listen, Naomi is selling her field, and you're the closest redeemer, so do you want it? I'm, you're closer than I am. Do you want it? And he says, yeah, I'd love it. Give me the field. And Boaz says, but if you take the field, you also have to take Ruth. You have to marry Ruth as well to give sons to redeem that land because that land, because there's a widow, and so he had to give children for that name. And uh, the other redeemer says, no way, I ain't touching that. He said, I don't want to risk my family for that. So he said, you can have her. And so they switch shoes. They take, he takes off his sandal and he says, here you go. And so that was, the, the, in the story, it says that was the legal transaction of the time. So in front of the elders, these two guys switch one sandal. So yeah, I couldn't trade anything. <laughs> I didn't realize the story was so much about feet. Okay, so, so they trade their sandals. And, uh, and so then Boaz basically is able to, to uh, marry Ruth. And they get married, and they have a son. And he's named Obed. And then the story tells where he fits into the whole thing. It goes through the whole genealogy. But their son Obed was the father of a man named Jesse. And Jesse was the father of a man named David. David, who was the king of Israel. And Jesus being of the line of David. So Ruth is Jesus' great, 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 whatever. I don't know how many. Grandmother. <laughs> so in the end, um, uh, the women say to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. And so Ruth is able to give the child to Naomi and say, look, I'm giving you back your redemption, right? This boy will carry on their name. Kind of fun, hey? All right, so um, again, so what's this story really about? So, I mean, we know that we're always told the, the Old Testament is all points forward to Jesus. And in the New Testament, it points back to Jesus. So how does this point to Jesus? Well, Boaz, in this story, represents Jesus to us. And we are Ruth. So I just want to draw a few uh, kind of similarities. And then, uh, and, then, and then we'll be good. So first, um, Boaz, right from the beginning, he has a heart for Ruth. She has a special place in his heart. He wants to take care of her even before she was his. Um, In the same way, Jesus, right from the beginning, he always wanted God, Jesus, they want to take care of us. Um, In Romans, it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So even before he accepted us, he already paid the price. And also in Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him 
before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Isn't that amazing? Number two, Boaz waited for Ruth to take the step. He didn't go out to her. She had to take the step to come to him. Um, and it was a step of faith. Ruth had to, I mean, she may not have known any of the background of the Redeemer and, you know, laying at, the, at his feet and all that stuff. That probably sounded really weird. Um, but she trusted Naomi and she took that step of faith. And just like that, God asks us to take steps in faith. Um, so just encourage you guys to think, you know, what, what's God asking me to do to take a step of faith in my life? Um, I know in me, uh, maybe one of the biggest steps of faith that I ever took in my life was uh, about nine years ago. Um, I went to Guyana. That's where I met Yaku. Um, there are a few other guys with us and uh, this girl that was with us as well. And uh, while we were there, uh, Yaku told us a story about how he proposed to Kath. And it's a fun story. You've got to hear it. It's kind of scandalous, but it's awesome. <laughs> and then Lois was there as well and he told us how he proposed to Sharon and it was kind of not as scandalous but it's just different and like, I was like wow you can do that I think he, he proposed on the first date um, and, and they got married and they're still married today and uh, so I kind of I don't know I had this idea okay I guess I guess you can do that <laughs> So uh, I asked this girl who was with us to go for a walk, and uh, basically I asked her to marry me, and she said yes. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> we weren't even on a date. Yeah, we weren't dating. She literally was just this girl. Um, in fact, it was worse than that. I felt that I was going to meet my wife on this trip, and I, I, I've told it to Sharon many times. <laughs> Um, I said, like, you're totally going to cramp my style. Like, I'm here to meet this, my wife, and everyone's going to think that you're with me. And so I, I can honestly say, there was, it, beforehand, like, it was honestly not premeditated. Um, and the amazing thing was I didn't think, what if she says no? Like, what did, did Ruth think? What if Boaz says no? It's kind of this crazy thing. And if you know me... I think things through and plan and I have to look 10 steps ahead to make sure that everything's going to go right and somehow I didn't think and I think that's just, you know, God. <laughs> All right. Sorry, booming. Uh, next, uh, Boaz was delighted to redeem Ruth. He didn't have to. The other redeemer said no. Boaz didn't have to redeem her but he was delighted to do it. He said, this is great. I love it. And uh, he was just so incredibly excited. Um, and in the same way, Jesus wants to redeem us. He's delighted. He wants to. If we continue on in Ephesians 1. So in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the, one he, the ones he loves. So Jesus was super, it was his pleasure to redeem us. So, just incredible. Uh, next one, I think number four. Ruth um, didn't do anything to earn it. She, didn't, she wasn't in a place to earn his redemption. 
she happened to marry his relation's son. Um, but that was about it. She, was a, she was, wasn't even his servant. So she was like not even on the radar. Um, and in the same way, um, we're justified by faith. There's nothing that we can do to earn Jesus' love, God's love. He just gives it. Um, and in Ephesians 2, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. And it's not by works. So no one can boast. So just, yeah, there's nothing we can do to earn it. I think that's incredible. Finally, Ruth got a new identity once she was married to Boaz. Again, she wasn't even a servant. She was just a foreigner in the land. And as soon as she was married to him, she became an heiress, basically. She had land. She had a son that had land. She was taken care of for the rest of her life. Uh, something you know, similar happened with uh, Meghan Markle. I don't know how many of you woke up on Saturday early to watch the wedding. I was forced to set up the internet and everything to get it all set up for my uh, English wife. But um, Meghan Markle walked into the church as just like one of us. She wasn't royalty. She was, she was an American. She wasn't even English. And uh, she walked out of that church, Her Royal Highness, and she's married to number six in line for the throne of England. How incredible is that? In the same way, Ruth, nothing to offer. She walked in, married Boaz, and all of a sudden, I mean, he was a respected, prominent man. Um, and in the same way, uh, with Jesus, when we accept him, uh, if we look at John, yet to all who did, not this John, John 1, uh, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And so, when we accept him, when we're in his family, we're his children, adopted in. And with this new identity that we get, just like Ruth, given her new identity, she gave a son, and that son, or through that son, Naomi was also redeemed. And in the same way, God wants to use us with our new identity as children of God to redeem others, to point others to him. All right. So this love story of Boaz to a foreigner it applies to us as well. And it's God's love for us. Foreigners to him. just want to ask, do we all know that Jesus loves us from the start? And he waits for us to take a step towards him. He's delighted to pay the price to, receive, to redeem us. All we have to do is ask. We don't have to do anything to earn his love. And he wants to give us a new identity so that we can go and pass on his redemptive love to others. Jesus is the better Boaz.